Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Samuel 9 and 1. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath. This Okay, guys, I'm redneck and just I, these Hebrew words. I know I tear them up. I know people are hearing me on the radio that right now that speak Hebrew and they're like, man, you're butchering it. Yeah, I admit that. So anyway, you're supposed to be following me in your Bible anyway. So the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite. You see that? A Benjamite. He's not from the line of Judah. He's a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. Verse 2. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Okay, so to kind of help you with a visual illustration, the Bible says that Saul looks basically pretty much like I do. And Saul came from a... What's so funny? It's my job to help you understand the text, and I will use every resource I have. Gosh, just doing my job. All right. So anyway, glad I can wake you all up a little bit. I remember as a kid listening to a pastor that was putting me to sleep. I thought, I ain't never going to be like that. And then when I got called to be a pastor, I thought, oh my gosh, what if I'm boring? (laughs) You know, better spice it up. So Saul came from a family of great wealth and influence. Let's get it all out. (laughs) It's funny, Ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray, you don't look like that. Yeah, I know. So... (laughs) Saul came from a family of great wealth and influence... But I see nothing in the text here. He's tall, looks awesome, but I see nothing in the text that says Saul had anything in his line that qualified him for royalty. I just don't see it. It's not there. Okay? So 1 Samuel 9 and 3. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Please take one of the servants with you and arise, go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalim and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. When they had come to the land of Zuf, I hope that's how we say it, the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. And he said to him, Look now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Then Saul said to his servant, But look, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone. 
and there is no present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Look, I have here at hand one-fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give that to the man of God to tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, Come, let us go to the seer. For he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. Then Saul said to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. So I read this and I think, oh, looky what we have here. The Lord caused these donkeys to become lost because were it's like, all the donkeys, where did that come from? You know, it's like you, you get hit by this thing about lost donkeys all of a sudden. He caused these donkeys to become lost for the very purpose of driving Saul right to where Samuel was staying. The donkeys should get lost out of chance. No, God made that happen. Here comes Saul looking for them. He's going to end up in Samuel's territory. So imagine that. God being in total control even when sinners have turned against him. Hmm. I like to think about that right now with our country going ten kinds of crazy right now with everything as messed up as it is. Don't forget God is still in control. And there are things he is implementing in our society even today that's designed to get people to turn and look to him. There's a lot of people getting saved right now, by the way, but God is in total control. And look how the Lord intervened, even when Saul tried to give up and go back home. Because I I, I just saw Saul try to go back home a couple times here, and the Lord is still pushing him. So the Lord caused Saul's servant to speak up about consulting the man of God. When Saul says, let's go back, his servant spoke up. Let's go to this man of God to help us find the donkeys. But still, Saul wanted to go back home because, well, we don't have anything to pay the man with. Well, back then, people would pay a man of God to help them resolve their problems, even if it was problems as small as trying to find a lost animal. You ever lose an animal before? You know, we got them chipped now and what all. People go to Facebook. Here's a picture of my dog. I lost him. Back then, they would go to the seer and they would pay him. Hey, I lost something. Can you help me find it? And that's why verse 9 interjects itself into our story here to help us understand that in former times in Israel, when people needed to ask God something, they would say, come, let us go to the seer. Why do they call him a seer? Because he can see. They could see with divine revelation from God. They were called a seer. So they would go to the seer to get an answer to their problem. And so they would pay the seer for their time. And that's why Saul said, but we have no present to bring to the man. So we can see why this interaction is going on between Saul and his servant. So, but Saul is still trying to get back home. He still wants to go home. God has it in mind for him to get to Samuel. Okay? So you see how he wants to leave. The servant spoke up. goes, no, here's... Here's some reasons why we can keep going. And I just see the Lord's hand at work in this whole drawing of Saul in. So, yet again, the Lord, he caused the servant to speak up about some silver that he happened to be carrying. Well, isn't that nice? You had silver? I didn't know that. (laughs) We can give him the silver I got. It's right here in my back pocket, man. So Saul was good with that, and it convinced him to go on. So another bit of interesting info from verse 9 is that it says Samuel was not just a seer because this man of God they're talking about is Samuel. He's not just a seer, but he's also, he was known as a prophet. Did you see that? There's like two levels, two levels of names here for these guys, a seer and a prophet. Apparently seers 
were a lot more common than prophets. When you got past seer, it was kind of like a promotion up to now a prophet. You're now speaking on, God, on the Lord's behalf. So to come to the town of a seer who had been promoted up to a prophet, to them, thinking in their mind, to the servant and, and Saul, they were thinking that their chances of finding these lost donkeys probably just doubled. He's not just a seer, he's a prophet. And I've got some silver to pay him with. Oh, well, okay, let's go do that. You see what the Lord is doing here. It's like, Saul, you're going to see Samuel. Come on, let's get him there. You know, you ever have God kind of nudge you like that? I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like it. And somebody comes up and they speak to you and you're like, oh, okay, let's go. <laughs> and you got to realize the Lord motivated them to speak up. He's drawing Saul in. Not just by searching for the lost donkeys, but also the servant took part in pushing Saul farther when Saul wanted to turn back. Friends, God is in control. That's basically what we see here. God is in control of everything. 1 Samuel 9 and 11. As they went up the hill to the city, they met some young women going out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? And they answered them and said, Yes, there he is just ahead of you. Hurry now, for today he came to this city because there is a sacrifice of the people today on the high place. As soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up for about this time you will find him. So they went up to the city. As they were coming to, into the city, there was Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. <laughs> okay, I love it. There was Samuel. <laughs> He's drawing old Saul in. And there was Samuel. I mean, of all the people to bump into, there was Samuel. I just, I just love those little things. One interesting piece here is there's a very important bit of foreshadowing here that we see in this little small section of scripture. It's easy to miss if you're a speed reader. You know, people that read the Bible like, boom, 90 miles an hour, slow down. Study. Do some study while you read. Don't just zip over the top of everything. Let me, let me show you what happened here. These young women drawing water here, they told Saul about the very important day of sacrifice that's going on here. Samuel was there to perform a day of sacrifice for them. That's the high priest, Samuel. Now that's important business for a priest to be doing. But what is Saul's business for the day? Donkeys. You got sacrifice and donkeys. I would figure if I went up and found these women, oh, he's going up to do the sacrifice. Everybody's waiting on him. He's got to do the blessing, the sacrifice. You got to realize it's a sacrifice for all the people to cover their sins and all that stuff. You'd figure a decent guy would say, oh, well, we better not bother him today. I better leave him alone. It's a big day for the high priest. For Saul to continue on over donkeys... I read that and I thought, what are you doing, dude? Leave him for a day. Let him finish. They're not stopping for sacrifice work. Our donkeys are more important. Let's go pester him about donkeys. Back then, having lots of livestock meant you were rich. 
You'll see in the Bible, when it talks about a man's stature, listed all the livestock he had. That meant he was a very rich guy. Remember, Saul's father was rich man of power. And so Saul was more concerned about the money, these donkeys, than he was about sacrifice. You see that? Can you imagine stopping a high priest on sacrifice day? He's headed up to the high place. We're going to go. Everybody's waiting. And you're like, hey, dude, I lost these donkeys, man. But Samuel already knows. From Samuel's perspective, he already knows Saul's coming. But what we're seeing here is a sneak peek, a foreshadowing of Saul's character, what kind of man he was. He's selfish. He didn't have much regard for the sacrifice of God. In fact, later on in chapter 13, there's a situation we're going to see later where Saul violates the sacrifice of the Lord by performing an unlawful sacrifice himself because he was too impatient to wait on Samuel to show up to do it right. He's bugging Samuel, hey, take care of my donkey thing. But he won't wait for Samuel later? You'd think in chapter 13, he thought, you know what, I remember you waited on me, I should wait on you. And that's when Samuel, when he did that violation of the sacrifice in chapter 13, that's when we're going to see Samuel tells him what a fool he is. And because of that, the Lord was going to put a stop to Saul's kingdom and bring in a new man, a man after his own heart. That's going to be King David. And so Saul here, in, right here back in chapter 9 now, he's not even king yet. And we're already catching a glimpse of what kind of man he's going to turn out to be. He's more, more concerned about his donkeys than the people and their sacrifice. 1 Samuel 9 and 15. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. And you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry has come to me. Now, Saul saving the people is not a spiritual saving, it's military. Saul was a military guy. He, he had a lot of victories early in his career, and that's what we're getting at here. But I want you to take particular notice of how the Lord refers to the people of Israel. What does he call them? He calls them my people. My people, God calls them. You know, there's a lot of hatred for the Jews today. People hate the Jews I mean, they've got countries all around them ready to, to come in and attack them. And they've tried before. 1967 failed miserably. <laughs> the Lord fights for his people. But, you know, there's a lot of hatred of the Jews. And to hate those who God loves is to hate God himself. Be careful of how you perceive the Jews. You wonder why so many people hate the Jews? It's because they hate the Lord. Here we love Israel, and we try to keep Israel in front of you. We had Mike come up, and he gives an Israel verse every Sunday. I blow the shofar. I'm a Gentile doing my best to blow a shofar. I haven't written the two tones yet. I just blow one. But I'm trying my best to put Israel in front of you because those are his people. And thank God for Gentiles like me, I get grafted in. Amen. Man, can you imagine if God only came to save just them? That would be bad news for me and you. So anyway, Samuel has a very different viewpoint on his business agenda. He knows that this guy is supposed to arrive today. Saul's coming today. He knows he's showing up today, and he has to anoint this guy as king. 
knowing full well already what this guy is going to end up doing to the people of Israel. God already told him to warn the people, he's going to take everything you have. And he's got to anoint him anyway. Again, have you ever had to do something that you really didn't want to do? Well, welcome to Samuel's world. 1 Samuel 9 and 17. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, there he is. The man of whom I spoke to you, this one shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me, where is the seer's house? Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go and I will tell you all that is in your heart. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all your father's house? And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? Samuel just told him, you're going to be king. And he goes, what? Me? I'm too small. What I think is neat, though, the Lord told Samuel right when Samuel first laid eyes on him, he said, that's him. That's him. And you thought texting was cool. (laughs) Okay. That's the guy right there. Now, this gives us a unique perspective here because we see that Saul is the man that God chose. God chose him. He drew him in. And when he saw Samuel, and Samuel saw him, he goes, that's him. God chose him. Now, maybe you're thinking, whoa, whoa, okay, wait a minute, Ray. I thought God was angry with Israel for wanting a king right now. And I thought the prophecy in Deuteronomy said, I'll bring you a king of my choosing. Well, what he is bringing them a king of his choosing, isn't he? So you you may be asking, though, how could God have chosen Saul to be king right after being angry at Israel for wanting a king? It almost proposes a problem here, but it's a very valid question. What we need to understand here is that Saul is not the king God chose for Israel's uplifting. Saul is God's choice for Israel's humbling. Very different deal. King David is going to come do great things, bring in the messianic line that's going to bring salvation to all men. Saul's going to come in to save his people militarily, but he also warned he's going to take everything from Israel like a dictator. There's a point for Saul coming in. Saul is God's choice for Israel's humbling. Remember, Israel rejected the Lord's rule over them. Samuel took it hard. He goes, no, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me, he told Samuel. Same as when you witness to people and they reject you and hate you for being a Christian and trying to share the gospel. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. So it's the same parallel. And so Saul is the man that God chose for them, not because Saul satisfied God's requirements, but because Israel had to reap the consequences of their sin through Saul. You see that? And so Samuel disarmed Saul's mind about the donkeys. Where's my donkeys? You know, you're talking to this guy you just met, and he goes, oh, by the way, your donkeys are fine. They just got found. Well, I'm going to listen to everything this guy says because he knows everything about me. (laughs) Okay. They've been found. The donkeys had served their purpose for getting Saul drawn into Samuel's presence. So they don't matter anymore at this point. Okay, we got done with the donkeys. They're found out of the equation here. 
Samuel wants Saul's mind to get off the business of donkeys and get on the business of being king. That's why Samuel asked him, see where he says, on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all your father's house? Saul himself knew Israel wanted a king. He knew that their desire of all of Israel was to have a king. And so he realizes that Samuel just told him, the kingship has fallen upon you. I would have been floored. I'm just out looking for donkeys and all of a sudden I'm king all of a sudden. You'd you'd be shocked. And Saul is so shocked to hear this that he says, am I not a Benjamite of the smallest family of the smallest tribe? It's like I'm small beyond small beyond small. I'm like three layers of small. Why me? How come me? How can I become royalty? 1 Samuel 9.22 Now Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall and had them sit in the place of honor among those who were invited. There were about 30 persons. And Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said to you, set it apart. So the cook took up the thigh with its upper part and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, here it is, what was kept back. It was set apart for you. Eat, for until this time it has been kept for you, since I said I invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. Okay, Saul is getting the royal treatment. He's already been put up like, wow, party time. The best cut of the whole animal they saved for him. He is the distinguished guest of honor. Now, we saw earlier how Saul had disregard for the sacrifice work that Samuel had to do. But also what we see here is, at least in this stage of Saul's career, is that he's taking this with some humility. Me? Me? Here's the choice cut for me. He at least right now has humility. He's going to lose it real soon. But right now he has it. He does not think he should be in this position of honor. This is probably about the most level-headed we're going to see Saul is right here at the beginning, right at at the start, because we know what kind of man he's going to turn out being later on, a man who will forget his humility when he becomes corrupted with power and takes everything from the people of Israel. 1 Samuel 9 and 25. When they had come down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the top of the house. They arose early, and it was about the dawning of the day that Samuel called to Saul on the top of the house, saying, Get up, that I may send you on your way. And Saul arose, and both of them went outside, he and Samuel. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go ahead of us. And he went on. But you stand here a while that I may announce to you the word of God. Now, Samuel, he wanted to tell him the word of God. In other words, what this means, Samuel was to tell Saul about God's selection on him becoming king. Now, some application I see in this chapter is first, obedience. Obedience. Sometimes you got to do something you don't want to do. And I see Samuel doing that. Now, knowing the kind of king that Saul would become, Samuel didn't want to do this for Israel while they were in rejection of God. He, he, he was dreading this. But he was commanded to do it, and so he did. And friends, there's going to be times that you're required to do things that you do not want to do. Of course he's going to tell you to do something you don't want to do. We're the sinner.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.